Um, go ahead and turn with me to two passages of scripture tonight, if that's all right with you. Uh, I went to Bible school, so I blame it on Bethel. Um, so the first passage is going to be out of 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to read verse 41 all the way up to 46. And the second is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And when you have it, you can say amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so if you got 1 Kings, we're going to go ahead and get started. Chapter 18, verse 41, it says, Now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go back seven times. And it came about at the seventh time that he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower, and Ahab rode and went up to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he outran Ahab to Jezreel. And then if you've got Hebrews chapter 12, you can flip there quickly. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come here tonight to, to minister your word. Father, I pray for the hearing of this congregation. I pray that the good seed of your word would fall on the hearts of the men and women here and that it would bear good fruit for your kingdom, God. We know that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit that lives are changed, that bondages are broken, that strongholds are broken, God. So we cling to you, and I ask now that I would be dependent on nothing but your anointing alone. We love you, and we praise you, and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can take a seat. Praise the Lord. So, uh, so I heard a story uh, a few years ago, and it was really cute, and it was about uh, a little boy who wanted to go to a football game with his grandma. And so they're going to this football game, and, and they're there, and he's sitting on her lap, and he's like, I want to play down there. I want to play down there with all those boys. I want to play down there. And the grandma's like, well, sweetheart, you got to learn to walk before you can run. And I was like, man, that's so true. No, she's absolutely right. You do have to walk before you can run. You, you have to, there, there are seasons for, for learning how to do little things before we can learn how to do big things. And it kind of reminded me of my short, short, short time as a soccer player in high school. Um, I, would, <laughs> I would get up on that soccer field and I would hear my coach from the sideline saying, Martin, you can't score if you don't move. Do something. So that goes to show you how uh, blessed my soccer abilities are. Uh, he was like, do something. You can't score if you don't move. Um, and so that day I learned uh, that you can't score if you don't move, that there's seasons where we have to walk before we can run. But then I got to thinking and I thought, but what if there are moments where we're called to run before we can walk, where we're called to, to take hold of a dream, to take hold of a calling and run after it. I, I think you need to look at someone next to you. You need to say, you look like you need to run tonight. And if they haven't slapped you yet, well, you can say amen. 
But it, we do. In our spirit, we need to run. Some of us look like we need to run. And so that's, that's where I, I began to think. I began to think of these two stories. And I feel like the Holy Spirit put them, put them in my heart because there are people in this house that, that need to be dared to run tonight. There are business ideas in this house that have yet to be birthed because you haven't ran for it. There are chains in your family. There are bondages. There are family curses in here that have yet to be broken because you won't run. So, God, I, I dare somebody to leave this place running tonight. I dare you. I dare you. So, so I, I, I came to these two passages, and the first was, was Elijah. And here's a little bit of context for you. So in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, Elijah says to King Ahab, he says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain in these years except by my word. And then in the next chapter, the chapter that we're reading out of 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. But what I really want you to see there, what I really want you to see out of that passage is verse 46, excuse me, verse 46, where it says, then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel, and focus on that, that first phrase where it says, hand of the Lord, so, you know, Bethel, right, I did a little study on it, and the first, th that phrase, hand of the Lord, is directly correlated to the same phrase that the spirit of the Lord came upon, so anytime in scripture when you see um, it says about David that the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he did this and he was empowered to do this or in uh, the day of Pentecost it says the spirit of the Lord came upon Peter and he proclaimed this so it's just it's a movement it's an empowerment it's a it's a it's a push to do something and so in that moment the hand of the Lord rested on Elijah and in that day the spirit of God could only rest on an individual but I got good news for you in our day, the spirit of God dwells within us. So that not, not only are we, are we moved by the spirit, but we're moved by the spirit all the time because he lives in us and through us. So how much more should we be moved by the spirit of God if he dwells in us rather than just rests upon us at certain times? Church, God's hand is on this house. And this is your opportunity to walk in it and to move in it. And what I want you to see also in this specific passage is that in verse 18, it's a commandment of the Lord to Elijah when he says, go, show yourself to Ahab, and then I will send rain. But it's not until after Elijah is obedient that the hand of the Lord rests on him. Church, God's empowerment will always follow your obedience. If you could be obedient to what God says, if you could be obedient to God's word, his empowerment and his movement will follow you. That's the first passage. The second passage we read was from Hebrews. The author of Hebrews was likely Paul, and he lays out three really clear instructions. The first, he says, lay aside every encumbrance, and that's just a fancy way of saying distraction. Lay aside every distraction. The second, he says, run with endurance, and that word run is just taken literally to exert oneself, but also spiritually to persevere. And the last instruction is fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I love this one because the word fixing here is, is directly correlated to repentance in that it means a turning away from one thing to another thing. So it's a complete 
180 from, from this direction to this direction. So fixing is always, always correlated with repentance. And these two passages work together to do three really cool things. Are you ready for this? Everyone in this room is a type of runner. And I know some of you are looking at me and you're like, I run to the fridge and that's about it. And hey, I, I get that. I also just run to the fridge. It's fine. Um, but every one of us in the spirit belongs to these three types of runners. And the first is a distracted runner. And what I want you to notice is that Elijah had so much to be distracted about. In 1 Kings 18 verse 4, the Bible says that Jezebel, who was uh, the queen at the time, was married to King Ahab. She had destroyed the prophet's of the Lord. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about what it might have felt like for Elijah to be the last man standing. It's like imagine you're in a room with people and half of you have glasses and half of you don't, right? And so all of a sudden, every single person with glasses is transported to another room and you're the last man standing and you're like, well, this is it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm the last man with glasses. And so imagine that feeling of being isolated and what he must have felt. And the temptation to distract was real. But if Elijah ever let himself get distracted, he wouldn't have done these things. He wouldn't have challenged the Baal worshipers in verse 20. Do you know that story? On Mount Carmel when Elijah challenged the Baal worshipers and he called fire down from heaven. And he didn't even have to ask God to answer by fire. He just said, God, you're the one true God and I know you're going to answer me. And he did it. He answered by fire. And so if he would have gotten distracted, he never would have done that. He never would have slain the Baal worshipers in verse 40. And he never would have outran his enemy's chariot in verse 46. Why? Because distracted runners are disastrous runners. This is the exact principle that Paul is speaking of when he says lay aside every distraction of sin. Because if you let that distraction get in your way, you're not going to do the things that God is calling you to do. And this reminds me, okay, I go to the greatest university. I go to the great, and you might not agree with me, and that's all right. I'll pray for you. But I go to the greatest university. But listen, I see so much distraction in a, in a funny way, but it's also really sad. Um, I've never seen so many people walk on their cell phones, you know, text on their cell phones and walk at the same time. It's, it's insane. Like, you look up, and there are just people on their phones the whole time. And, and we were at a prayer meeting one time, and this guy was on his phone. We were in a backyard. And he was walking toward the house, and we were watching him, because who wouldn't? And he was walking in the house, and there's this, you know, big glass screen door, and he's just on his phone, and we all know what's about to happen. And we're sitting there with anticipation, and we're like, should we tell him? Should we not? Is he going to look up? Is he not? And then it just happens so fast, and he's just like, boom, and then falls. Poor guy with his phone in his hand, but some of us are like that in the spirit. And maybe it's not your phone. Maybe, maybe it's your, your finances. Maybe it's your lost son or daughter. Maybe it's something that's good. Maybe it's your promotion, but it's distracting you, and you can't get your eyes off of it. And when you do that, you can't move up. So maybe you're a distracted runner. And if you are, that's okay. There's hope for you yet. So, th so that's the first type of runner. The second type of runner is a disoriented runner. And what disoriented means is just to lose your sense of direction or get so shaken up that you forget north from south from east from west that you get so thrown off in which way you're going it reminds me of that game where you have a bat to your forehead and you're spinning around and you're like you know, 
they let them go and they're like stumbling everywhere and, and just all over the place. But that's some of us because we have let the enemy watch us go in cycle after vicious cycle after vicious cycle after vicious cycle. And then we forget where we're going and we forget where we're called to. And this was, this was a, a huge temptation for Elijah because I want you to, to not miss that in verse 40, 43, he says, he says, go back seven times. So seven times he told his servant to go up to the top of the mountain and check to see if there were clouds. And six times he came back and there was nothing. And I know some of us in between those times were tempted to question God. God, did you really say that you were going to send rain? Did you really say that you were going to do this? Did, I know that you said it, but I'm not seeing anything and I've done it six times. And, and look, I'm going to get real personal. Get real personal with the young ladies in this house. I, I, look, I have some friends who will come to me, and they'll say, this nice man, you know, he asked me on a date. And I, does he love Jesus? Well, he, he looks like Pastor Stephen Furtick Jr., and he's got the, the beanie, and he can name all the Hillsong songs, and he knows all. Does he love Jesus? Uh, I think so. No, if you don't know, you don't know. You got to make sure that man loves Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says that be not unequally yoked with non-believers. So if God has spoken on the matter, it is not our job to question it. If God has spoken on the matter, no matter how many times it seems like it's failing, get back up and believe God. Because if he's called you to it, he's going to see you through it, and there's no question about it. For some, we've gone through these vicious cycles coming out of it, not knowing right from left. But praise God that he's called us to an upward calling. But often, though, it's the disorientation of our own belief that keeps us stagnant or brings us down. And that type of, whenever we are disoriented, even when we're just standing still, we're really going backwards. So, church, God is moving in Beeville. He's moving in the South Texas region. And if you're just going to stand still, you're going to get left behind. It's not enough anymore to just, just going backwards, yeah, it's going to get you backwards. But even if you're standing still, you're going to miss what God is doing. So this is a season of activity over passivity. It's a season of being done with disorientation and knowing exactly where you're going. I know how it feels to not have clarity. I know how it feels to feel like you don't know where you're going to end up. And you don't know what you're going to end up doing. I, I'm a college student. Listen, none of us know what we're doing. None of us do. We, we don't know where we're going to end up. We don't know where we're going to work. And that's a lot of pressure. But my God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all that I could ask for, even imagine. Come on, somebody. God is speaking to someone in this house who doesn't know where they're going anymore, who has been questioning what they're called to, who has been questioning Maybe you say, only three people showed up to my small group tonight. Only three people showed up to my, my campus ministry tonight. Only, only two people showed up. Will you invest in those two people and you'll be a part of what God is doing in their life because that could change the world. If you would be faithful in where God has called you to be and not lose sight of the place that God has called you to, you will see the fruit of your labor. So, so in, in our spirit sometimes, We'll be walking in one direction. And this is exactly what, what Paul was saying when he says fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because we'll be gung-ho running, running for Jesus. And then suddenly something happens and you're like, wait, what was that? 
but wait, what, what was that? Oh, should I, oh wait, I was supposed to be going somewhere. Where was I supposed to be going? I think I was supposed to be going this way and that way, and I don't even remember. And then you just get so thrown off that you're not even sure where God called you to in the first place. But, but this is why we have to turn from that direction completely to what God has called us to. And it takes active faith on our part. So we've got distracted runners, we've got disoriented runners, but we've also got distance runners. And these are the runners that you want to be. Listen, I never did cross country. I never prayed about it. I never had to think about it because it's not for me. And that's fine. That's fine. But, but in the spirit, we are called to be distance runners. And we know that because Paul says, run with endurance the race that has been set before you, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Because you don't necessarily need endurance in a short-term race. And, and I think that you do to some extent, but not as much as in a long-term race, because in a short-term race, it's just stamina, it's momentum, it's a straight shot, you're sprinting. But in a long-term race, you can sprint, but if you don't have endurance, you're going to get tired. You're going to get tired. And Elijah, he was a distance runner if there ever was one, physically and spiritually, because not only did he run from the top of the mountain down, but the Bible says that he outran King Ahab, his enemy, you see, when, it, when it's God's hand upon you, you can outrun your enemy. The Bible says that the enemy is like a lion prowling, seeking whom he may devour. And maybe he's got your eyes on your husband or your wife. Maybe he's got your eyes on your family, on your job. Maybe he's got your eyes on your school. Maybe he's about to pounce, about to make his move. But let me tell you, when God's hand is on you, you can beat him there. You can outrun him. You can beat him there. And these are some people, there's some people in this place that are about to outrun the enemy. Someone say outrun. Outrun. I'm going to beat him there. This is the call that's in our hearts right now. In order to outrun the devil and to keep running toward the upward call, we need something called endurance. And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down really quick. The fuel to every believer's engine is grace. And that grace is activated by the keys of faith. So grace in our lives acts as fuel, fuel in our cars. If, you, if you've got gasoline in your car, you can go somewhere. But you're not going to go anywhere unless you've got the keys, right? So faith acts as the keys that activate the grace that God has put on your heart. And I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians when he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance for every good deed. Sufficient abundance, it's an energy source that keeps us going. And when, it, when we utilize it, when we access it by faith or by believing, we are unstoppable. We are distance runners. We can outrun the enemy in our lives. We can outrun the enemy in our churches. We can outrun the enemy in our ministries. We can outrun the enemy who is looking at our children and wanting them and wanting to tempt them. We can outrun him. But not until you have access by faith to the grace which God has freely given us. Church, I'm praying that we'd be a church full of distance runners. People who aren't afraid to take God at his word and to keep going. So, so this idea of, of running before you walk, it's not to say that we shouldn't take for granted the little things and that we shouldn't learn how to do things 
method methodically, however you say that word. Um, but it's to say that when God has called us to run, we are to be obedient to that. That God has placed some dreams in our heart that we are to be obedient to. I remember when I was in high school, I applied for a scholarship um, when I was a junior. And this was a pretty big deal. Uh, for me, it was a pretty big deal for the other three candidates that got selected. It was a fairly large scholarship. We were really excited about it. And we went through this big process. It was the first time I'd ever had to go through a so big selection process with an interview solely based on my grades, on, on my abilities as a student, and um, my, my future goals and things like that. And so I went through the interview. I was super nervous, but I went through it. And I just shared my heart with them. And I just told them, hey, I think, I think that God is calling me to do this. And I was super honest and just laid it all out there. And I said, I think I'm going to do this. And we found out a couple days later that um, I didn't get it and that one of my close friends did. And that was fine. And I, I love Love this girl. She's so, so sweet. But, and I, and I wasn't really discouraged at first because I knew that it was well-deserved and that she was awesome, and I wasn't discouraged. And then I, you know, went to thank the board at this event where they announced it, and I said, you know, thank you for your time, and I appreciate this so much. And, and one of the most prominent board members, he looked me in the eyes, and he said, sweetheart, you're just too ambitious. You can't save the world in three days. You have to have a plan. You, you, you can't, you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. And, and I left that conversation feeling insufficient and feeling like I was wrong for believing in something and wrong for having a dream and wrong for wanting to see God change the world in me. But friends, let me tell you, if God has called you to have a vision, you run with that vision in the face of opposition in the face of rejection, in the face of not knowing, in the face of uncertainty, you run with that vision. You run with that word. Why? Because where there is no vision, the people perish. But God has placed a vision deep in the heart of Kingsway Church. And God has placed a vision deep in your hearts. And this is your moment to run it and to run it with distance and to run it with endurance and to not get distracted and to not get disoriented, no matter what bad news comes your way, no matter what doubt and unbelief and uncertainty comes your way, church, this is your time. Run and run distantly. If Brother Josh could come. I'm just going to close quickly. Um, God is calling us to run. He's calling us to run boldly. He's calling us to run with all that we have. And so I know that I didn't take up much of your time today, which is fairly out of my character, but... I, I, just, I just had a really simple thing to tell you. It's just a really simple thing. Run with endurance. Run with endurance. Lay aside every encumbrance. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's the best example of running with endurance. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is for you. He's our biggest fan, watching us run, interceding on our behalf, and making us ready for the places that God has called us to. Some of us have a new level of ministry coming, but it's not, it's not going to get there if you just stand around. It's not going to get there if you just walk. So this is your time to run. If you would stand with me, please. And if every, if every head would be bowed and every eye would be closed, I'm just going to say a prayer over you quickly. 
I'm going to say a prayer over you quickly. And as soon as I'm done, this altar is open. This altar is open to the distracted runner. This altar is open to the disoriented runner. This altar is open to the distance runner. If you're a distracted runner, come and lay aside every, every sin, every distraction, every piece of shame that has been binding you is broken in Jesus' name. If you're a disoriented runner, come and receive the clarity that God so longs to give you. If you're a distance runner, come and ask for more endurance. Ask for more grace and an increase of faith to believe God when he says, run. So I'm going to pray really fast, and then you're welcome to come. Father, thank you that your word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Thank you um, that you've made us in your image, God. Thank you that you've instructed us to run with endurance the race that has been set before us. I don't know what race lies ahead of the people in this house. But I pray that by your spirit, by your grace, by your anointing, and by an increase of faith, they would become distance runners who would run without growing weary, who would walk without growing faint. Oh God, as the deer panteth for the water brook, so our souls long for you, so we long to please you. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts and that you convict hearts that need convicting in this house. I pray that you would cause us to respond. We know that your word always prompts a response in our hearts. So as we respond tonight, we come in humility and in repentance, fixing our eyes on you, turning from whatever it is that's calling our attention. And we say, God, come and break chains because only you can. Come and increase faith because only you can. Come and do what only you can do, Jesus, because we can't without you. We exalt you, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you come?